welcome to the NEPA Scene Podcast. Uh, I'm Rich Howells, I'm the founder and editor of NEPA Scene. I'm Brittany Boot, and I'm the owner of Boot Photography Studio. I'm John Popko, I work for Time Shamrock and Radio with Rock 107, Alt 92.1, and ESPN Radio. And we're live at Cole Creative in Wilkes-Barre. Oh, so, uh, so somebody's phone's going off. Uh, we're happened. here with uh, Will Beekman. <laughs> Every time. It's not me. Who's the uh, executive director at the FM Kirby Center, and uh, in Rodell is the director of uh, sales and marketing. And so we're here, of course, to talk about uh, the Kirby Center and uh, the cool season that they have going on. Lots of really neat stuff uh, going on throughout the, the year and into next year. And uh, we're also going to talk uh, a little later in the show uh, about Wilkes-Barre itself and uh, the uh, ups and downs of living in the city and doing things here and a lot of the, the positive stuff that's going on in the city that uh, not a lot of people seem to be uh, paying enough attention to. So uh, let's get started with uh, what made you want to work at the, the Kirby Center in the first place? How well, long have you been there? I've, I've been at the Kirby Center for seven years now, believe it or not. Um, it, it really flew by. Um, prior to coming to the Kirby, I worked for the Bryce Jordan Center, um, the arena on campus at Penn State, and that was really my first time working in the live, I shouldn't say in the live event industry, but in the concert industry, um, which is really where my heart is and where I wanted to be. Um, so I enjoyed my time out there, but this is also home for me. Um, my wife and I were um, looking to start a family, and we wanted to do it closer to our family. So I started looking for something in the industry that was back this way and there was an opening at the Kirby Center and I was lucky enough to uh, to get the position and the rest as they say is history I guess. How about you Anne? I've been working at the Kirby Center for 17 years this oh my year. God. Wow. Yeah, I started part-time when I was in college at King's College and I was a theater and English major so sort of a natural fit for me and I just was very lucky that throughout the years different positions have opened up and I've slid into them and, and I've been very fortunate in my time and being able to work in an industry that I've loved pretty much since I was in college. What were some of the, the first shows that you worked on at the Kirby Center? My first show was Willie Nelson. Yeah. May twentieth, two thousand. I worked Will Call in the box office window. That's awesome. <laughs> it's a cool start. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How about you? Oh, my first show. I, you think, I should remember. You remember yours 17 years ago. I don't remember I mine. I have poster, too, from the night. <laughs> it makes it easy. I don't remember mine from seven years ago. What I can tell you is um, when I came into the Kirby Center to interview for the position, it was my first, it was actually my second time in the building. I had first been in the building in 19, I think it was 91. Uh, I saw Bob Dylan at the Kirby Center. It was my first and last time at the theater until... Um, I came in to interview for the job. So at the time, um, obviously a long time ago, you know, if you would have told me that however many years later I'd be working there, I, you know, I, I wouldn't have believed you. But, um, you know, I don't have to tell you, it's, it's, it's a beautiful space. And um, sometimes you're having a, a long day or a rough day, and we'll just walk down the steps and we'll walk through the theater itself. And it kind of reminds you that, you know, we're lucky to get to go there every day and, and call it work. Now, uh, can you tell me a little bit of uh, history about the, uh, the the Kirby Center? I know it goes back a, a long time, and, and uh, you know there's there's a lot of different things that went on there uh, way before you guys got there. Yeah, Anne is actually one of our designated tour guides. I am. Um, I just trained this past year. <laughs> so she could probably give you a little more of the of the history. What I will start off with though is um, next year, 2018, will be the building's 80th birthday. Wow. Um, first built in 1938. So while we are entering into our 31st <clears throat> season as a performing arts center, um, the building itself opened up as a movie theater in 1938. 1938 it opened as, I, I think it's the Comerford. Now watch, I'm going to switch them. But You're right. It was the Comerford uh -huh. until 1949, and then it was the Paramount until around 1979, 78. Mm. Um, and then uh, the building actually went quiet for a few years. Um, there were some interesting th things that happened between that point when the Paramount closed and when the Kirby Center formed. It was a marketplace, a, a shopping marketplace. There were um, boxing matches. There was a boxing mm. ring somewhere in the building. Uh, but in 1979 uh, was when it, the building, it was uh, almost demolished and a committee formed stop, save the old Paramount. And that's when we were put on the national list of historic places. 
And then in 1985, Mr. Voskov formed the group that raised the money to make the Kirby Center happened, but it was originally going to be named the Paramount Civic Center. I can't imagine it not being there. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. Like, yeah. if that had happened and right? they took it down. It, it I came just close. Can't the yeah. fact they came, came really close. That's how, yeah. that's how quick those things could happen. Yeah. Yeah. And we credit, obviously, Al, um, Al Boscov, but, um, you know, Gus Gennetti is another one. Um, one of the first people that Al went to when he was trying to get this group together. Um, was Gus Gennetti, and Gus tells a great story about Al coming to his office, and um, you know Gus is a pretty tall guy, and he said he heard a knock on the door, and he went out, and he looked, and he didn't see anyone at first until he looked down, and there was Al Boscov on his hands and knees saying, you know, please, can you help me? We need to try to save this building. Wow. And one of the first things he did was get it on the <clears throat> National Historic Landmark uh, Registry, which, you know, kept it from being it's demolished protected. until they could try to raise the money. And... Um, when they were done with the fundraising, or at least they thought they were done with the fundraising, they were a little bit short, and we received a, a generous gift from the uh, Kirby family, from the FM Kirby Foundation, um, to kind of put them over the hump, and that's when uh, the name uh, was given to the to the Kirby family. So uh, f from there, how do you feel that you guys have uh, maybe added to uh, the, the history of the Kirby Center? Uh, you know, what, what, what do you feel like you've, you guys have accomplished in the years that you've been there? Sure. I, I think this was right before you came on. The, the one other point of interest for the building itself is in 2006, we did a complete renovation of the lobbies, mm. and we reupholstered and recushioned the seats in the main theater. Um, and that was a real addition to the building, especially just in, in honor of the history. Uh, we hired a company from New York who specialized in restoring historic theaters. So the carpeting that's in there now is a reproduction to the best of their ability to the carpeting from 1938. Uh, they hand glazed all of the sconce work and hand painted the ceiling to try and bring it back to that original glory. Um, so that 2006 was a really fun period to work there and be involved in um, just a complete renovation and to walk through this, the theater with absolutely no seats because they had all been removed. Yeah, I can't imagine what it looks all like. All the carpeting gone, and, and it, was, um, it was fun. It was a fun time <clears throat> to be there and to watch everything happen, and I think that was a, a great stride in preserving the building and, and really honoring the history. And, and what I find fun about it is we, you know, on a daily basis, we pay tribute to that history, but we're also at the same time so focused on the future of the Kirby Center and in the last few years alone we've gone from averaging about you know 60 to 70 performances a year to averaging about 130 performances a year pretty much doubling our um, our output if you will in terms of performances which is um, pretty impressive when you consider we're doing it really with the same number of people on our staff um, so we have a you know a lot of busy days and a lot of long nights and you know everyone is uh, you know some of us sleep at the theater you know <laughs> Uh, when you have a show that's coming, you know that's loading out at two a.m. and another one about to load in at eight a.m., right. um, you know you don't you don't have much of a choice. So um, you know there's a lot that goes into that, but um, you know we're really excited right now about the momentum that we have. Uh, we're doing, I think, not just more than ever, but I think we're doing uh, better shows than ever as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I think we're also using the building a bit better. You know, we still have all of our main stage shows that everyone knows and appreciates, just more of them. We also have two different setups where we do shows in the lobby. Our weddings have increased. Our corporate meetings have increased. We do uh, party spaces before shows. Um, so we're, we're really, instead of focusing on just putting shows on that main stage in the main theater we're just using every every crevice we can you, it's uh, it's really clear that uh you guys are utilizing the the building fun very much yeah yeah it's awesome and i feel like within the past few years when you took over as the executive director that kind of is when it really catapulted yes. into absolutely where it is now obviously you're probably too you know humble to, but to admit that but you know you and right. your team I, I mean, I've been working in this, this scene for a long time, and, you know, to see where it was when I started in, in 05 in this kind of area to where it is now, it's, it's leaps and bounds above Thank what you. it was. Yeah. I appreciate you saying it. Um, yeah, it's definitely, and I know it sounds like the cliche answer, but it's definitely a group effort. But at the same time, there was a, um, a very strategic approach to, 
you know, bringing in more shows. And, and we, we had a plan and we're just kind of implementing that and it seems to be working out. And our, our thought is, you know, have fewer dark nights, um, bring in more performances. Don't just book anything because um, that's a great way to lose a lot of money. Um, you know, but let's let's stay busy and let's get people coming in the door. Um, you know, the more people we have coming to the door, the more beer we're selling and the more popcorn we're selling. And, um, you know, that that approach is, is, is paying off. And I think just prior to implementing that plan, we also spent a lot of time working on our programming model where we went back and we looked at a lot of shows that we did in the past. And we said, you know, and I always say this, you learn as much from the shows that don't do well as you do from the ones that do well um, because you learn what to do and you learn what not to do. And we spent a lot of time researching, you know, the shows in the past and the ones that didn't work, why didn't they work? You know, is it because it was on a Tuesday and we couldn't get it on a Friday or is it because that genre just doesn't work in this market? Um, so I think, you know, at, at the end of the day, we're, we're gambling and, and we're kind of making a guess when we book these shows, but we try to make the most educated guess we can. Um, but we feel like we have a pretty good handle right now on what works and what doesn't in this market. So we're trying to do a lot of shows, but at the same time, we're sticking to that programming model and it, and it you know, seems to be working. It's not only that you guys are doing more shows and having more events and having more things in the lobby and creating uh, more opportunities for local musicians to kind of get their foot in there and, and do performances like that. They're also, a lot of the performances, when people do that and just you have a lot going on, they're all quality shows. That's the one thing, you know, which not it's not always the case when people are putting, doing a lot of uh, events. And I think that's pretty obvious. Yeah, we talk a lot internally about um, artistic quality and making sure that we don't just put anything on our stage. Yeah. Um, we want it to be, you know, top notch. Um, and, you know, we talk a lot about house trust and you earn that, you know, and then we see that in our lobby series, I think more than anything. Um, a lot of times we're bringing in artists that are, you know, that are playing to 400, 300 seat venues at this point in their careers and are not mainstream. They're not well known. Um, but we see a lot of the same people coming out to the lobby series because they may not know the artist, but we've earned their trust. And they say that I know it's going to be a good show. And that's a good feeling. It seems, too, with the, the choices that you guys make, a lot of this stuff uh, seems to be things that are trending or people uh, like myself who read uh, a lot of you know music magazines and blogs and things like that. I might be aware of who they are, but maybe the general public doesn't. And then a few years later, after playing one of the shows here, now they're huge. Now they have, mm -hmm. you know, 10 radio hits and, you know, they're touring in arenas and things like that. So uh, how do you maybe scout or find these these artists before uh, before they're huge? Yeah, I mean, we like to think we have our, you know, our finger on that pulse a little bit. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot that goes into it. We're very active in um, attending uh, booking conferences across the country throughout the year. There are several, several um, you know, major conferences uh, within the industry that that we we make sure we're at. Um, either Ann and I go, or if I can't make it, Ann's there, or, um, or vice versa. So it's a lot of networking with the agents um, and other promoters as well. But we've seen just in the last few years when we started going to these conferences, you know, I'd be basically begging for two minutes with a with an agent. Um, because they have a few acts that I'd like to talk about and finally getting in front of them at, you know, on the trade floor and, you know, getting two minutes with them and they're like on their laptop the whole time, you know, they're not really listening to you mm -hmm. to nowadays when, you know, we'll get emails from them saying, Hey, are you going to be in LA for this? Are you going to be, let's go, let's go get a drink and let's talk about this and that. So, um, I think by being a little more active and also by bringing in the quality entertainment that we're bringing in, we're also putting Wilkesbury on the map for the agencies that are, you know, in New York and in LA and in Nashville and whatnot. So that's exciting. And, and that's a lot of hard work, it's, but it's, uh, you know, and it's not cheap, obviously, to, to send people across the country for some of this stuff. But, you know, we always say, if you can bring one show back with you in your suitcase, it was, you know, it'll, it'll pay for itself. So I also think there's something to be said for doing what you love when you can. You know, we both have a passion and an interest in the entertainment, the acts from, from the plays to the movies to the main stage, everything. So, it, you know, we're, we're constantly reading any publications and the conferences and going to see shows when we're out at the conferences, just seeing and consuming as much as we can to stay on top of what's out there. Johnny Popko also helps me book shows, too. He'll text me ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Is that working yet? <laughs> we're working on it. We're working on one specific show for, yeah. for him alone. <laughs> I can't wait. Don't let me down. Mm -mm. You better buy every seat. Yes, right. <laughs> That's where Will, being Will's friend comes in. <laughs> <laughs>
Remember that time I helped you out with that radio schedule? <laughs> <laughs> that ad in the weekender? <laughs> so what kind of shows, uh, you know, what, what are you looking for in a show? Not just in music, but, uh, you know, in the performance arts and theater and, and things like that. What, what, are, what do you think, uh, you know, attracts people here in this area? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I mean, it's really, um, we're really all over the map, I think, depending on, the specific genre or the series you know for example i mean we book every year in our season we'll book what we call our signature series which is really at the heart of what the kirby center is all about um that's our arts that's our culture that's the opera it's world music it's theater and we book that knowing that we have 1800 seats and we're probably not going to sell more than you know five or six hundred if we're lucky um and financially that makes no sense um, but we don't look at it as, as us losing money. We talk about investing in our mission, and that's what we're all about. So, um, you know, we'll bring shows in that we know aren't going to necessarily, um, you know, recoup the cost on ticket sales, but um, that's what we do. Um, so, you know, this year, in fact, our signature series is uh, five total performances, and we are actually charging only $10 per ticket for the entire series um, because... You know, part of what we do is bringing the arts into the community, but this is kind of a way to bring the community to the arts, too, and make it as affordable as possible to get as many people as possible to see the opera. Um, you know, or to see, uh, you know, we have the Duke Ellington Orchestra or the Howard Gospel Choir. Um, you know, we want to get as many people in there as we can to see it. So for something like that, um, you know, we're looking for always artistic quality, but, you know, we're looking for the culture and we're looking for the arts in that performance. Um, Basically everything else, it's whatever sells tickets, you know. Yeah, um, I think it depends on the objective. So like the signature and everything is going to have artistic quality next. And then the order of what we look at, if it's a big headliner, we want to know that we think Wilkes-Barre is going to support this and they're going to come out as the ticket price right. Does it fit what we think this area can afford? Um, and then a family series, we're going to make sure that it's really well-rounded. Are we offering enough for the different age groups? Are we bringing in diverse amount at good times of year, not all on top of each other? Um, so I, I think it would always just be artistic quality. And then everything else you talked about kind of just fluctuates depending on what our yeah. reason or what series we're bringing it in for. And, and we're conscious of, of the ticket price. You know, we, um, we're doing bigger names these days and those bigger names carry bigger price tags and therefore you have to charge more um, for the tickets. But we're always, you know, we're careful, hey, how much is too much? You know, we really pushed the envelope, we felt, and I lost a lot of sleep until we finally went on sale when we booked Ringo, you know, about a year and a half ago, maybe now. Um, you know, that was far and away the most we've ever paid anyone <laughs> to come and be on our stage and that was just to get them there, you know? And then on top of that, you have sound and lights and advertising and etc etc so you know the top ticket price was 165 dollars and we had to have probably 500 or more of those mm -hmm. and that was scary you it's know hard. it's right it's really hard to say no we don't want to put a beetle on our mm -hmm. stage when you have that opportunity mm -hmm. um but you know how much is too much and you know it's sold out in a, in a hurry so we you know, kind of breathed a sigh, a sigh of relief <laughs> uh, but you know but we, we we try to make it as affordable as possible and, and I think if you look in our season brochure that we just released you know 55 performances the prices range from ten dollars to you know probably a hundred dollars mm -hmm. or actually from free to a hundred dollars we do have, we do have a free performance uh, a kids performance of a show called the greatest pirate story never told um, which we're gonna host during the 2018 fine arts fiesta as well Nice. And there's really not a bad seat in the house, so if you bought that low ticket, you know, yeah. I mean... It sounds cliche, but it's, it's really true, and I've, because um, so many people say that, but I've, I'll go up there during, you know, performances, and I like to just sit in different parts of the theater and see what it's like, and I've sat in that, that very last row in that balcony, and it's, you're, you know, you're still, you're still really close, you know, the way it's pitched, you feel like you're almost on top of the stage, um, and, and it really is, it really is true, I don't think there's a bad seat. We actually, have, sorry. we actually have a customer who prefers, depending on the show, the back balcony, last row on the right corner <laughs> because he likes to watch the stage and the audience and how they react to it and just see. And, and he's right, like I, I went up and looked at it because you can see the, the sides where we have the lumine, lumine lights and, and the gold accents and you see like all the grandeur of the Kirby and the show and the yeah. people. and. 
Right. It was quite powerful when I went up and saw his vantage point. Yeah, there's mm. some photos that you've taken or you've had photographers take. From up there. From up, yeah. up there, in the powerful. bottom corner looking up, and it, it's incredible, it really yeah. is. Yeah. I think one of my favorite ones is the, the Nutcracker Ball we had with the yeah. Third Eye Blind. Oh my gosh, yeah. I love that show. Yeah, and that, yeah. the pictures from that were phenomenal. Yeah, they yeah. were awesome. They were really cool. Yeah, we use that one a lot. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a great photo. Yeah. Yeah. I, could actually, I could actually picture myself, or not picture myself, awesome. I was actually there, but yeah, it's so I much could fun. see myself in the crowd, which was neat, too. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. You got to tag yourself in it. Yeah. Okay, I, probably, I probably did. You probably did. <laughs> I, probably did. <laughs> I remember running into you that night. I randomly got tickets somehow. Yeah. Like I was like at Franklin's, and I was like, oh, the guy from the opening band gave me a ticket or put me on the guest list. Ah. Yeah, and I was not <laughs> planning on going because it was I was under the impression it was sold out. So I was like, oh, I'll just go get a drink. It's my birthday. I'm like by myself. You know, it was like a Wednesday. It was like a Wednesday night, wasn't it? It was. It was a weeknight. It was a weeknight. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then talking to this kid, and he's like, oh yeah, I'm opening. And I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny I'm that so I I'll always remember about that night, and I can't believe I'm I'm admitting this, but um, I talk about trying to have my finger on the pulse. I I'm familiar with Third Eye Blind and, and their music. I'm not overly familiar with who's in the band, what they look like, etc. So we're sitting in I'm sitting in my office, which for those who don't know, our admin offices are above the the box office. So um, you really don't have access to it unless you get lost in the building, like really lost in the building. And um, I walked out of my office and there was a guy I'd never seen before just standing there and I said, can I help you? Because the door downstairs is locked. I had no idea how I even got in there at I'm the time. I'm on the phone at this point in time. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm looking for catering. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, I'll, I'll show you. And as I'm walking with him, I was like, uh, so are you, uh, you with one of the bands? He's like, yeah. I'm like, all right. Um, and I'm like, are you with Grizz Folk? I think was one of the yeah. opening acts. Um, he's like, no. And I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> and I forget, <laughs> I think I needed one of the other bands and whatever. And I went, so I was like, and he was, you know, give me one word answers. So I finally got down to cater and I was like, all right, here you are, you know, and I kind of saw him off and then bumped into another, uh, employee and he's like, he's like, you just met the lead singer of Third Eye Blind. I was like, oh, I didn't. <laughs> I had no idea it was him. You was know, one of the bands. So before yeah, Will you, came out, he, however, he got up. He was like, "Hello, yeah. hello." And I'm on the phone. I'm like, "Hello, I'll be right with you." That's great. Yeah, he really did get lost. He was a little did lost you meet that him? night. Mm -hmm. Did you meet him outside of that? Was that was he, it? He probably didn't want to meet me after that, <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't. Well, I've always heard he's like a very—I uh, don't know how to say it. Uh, he was a little out kind there. Kind of a dick sometimes. Oh, difficult to deal with? Yeah. yeah. That's what I've heard. Yeah. I don't know. It'd be hard to tell. Well, he wasn't very nice to me, but I, at the same time, he probably yeah. was upset with this, the fact that I didn't recognize who right. he was, you yeah. know? I, I get that. Yeah. yeah I, I got my, my photo taken with him, and it was, it was like a picture pose and get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you get, yeah, we get, the, we get a lot of those, yeah. too. Which is fine. I yeah. get it, but. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you probably have uh, a million stories uh, <laughs> about, you know, meeting people, you know, behind the stage and things yeah. like that. Is there anyone that, that sticks out to you in particular um, um, that you enjoy telling? Or? Yeah. The one that always jumps to mind um, is, you know, we had Tony Bennett a few years ago during our 25th anniversary season. He's the only artist to this date, uh, before and since, who... Uh, after the show, the tour manager said to me, hey, who else is in the building still who works for the theater? And I said, I, I don't know. I can go around and see but why. At first, I thought maybe there was something wrong. And he said, oh, no, Mr. Bennett would like to say thank you personally to everyone who worked so hard on the show. Can you bring them down? Um, which is you know, kind of the opposite of what you normally have, where you're saying, hey, do you think we can possibly get a quick photo or, or, or something signed, sure. et cetera. Here was someone who was seeking us out, saying we want to... Um, and we you know I want to meet you. And he, we, we, people that were there anyway, we got him down there and introduced himself to everybody. He wanted to know what, what do you do for the theater, you know? And then he took a photo with everyone, which always kind of stuck with me because not only is this something you don't see very often, but to see it from someone who's accomplished what he's accomplished, you know, right. and done what he's done. Um, Could be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. Maybe that's part of what he's, you know, why he's accomplished what he's accomplished. Yeah. Um, but you don't get a ton of that. So that one. Always kind of stuck with me. I don't know if you have one that jumps out at you, other than always Joan Rivers. Mm. <laughs> she was the nicest, 
nicest person. She had um, on her requirements of what she needed, she needed a wardrobe person to help her with her changes, and she bought presents for the person who was brought in oh, as the gosh. wardrobe person. She did a, a small meet and greet during one of her times at the Kirby Center that I was present for. She brought her little dog, and she's so gracious and just absolutely lovely in person That's so and then like went out and slayed on stage you know, yeah. right. you know like, just right. like <laughs> she's the type of person you would anticipate being like oh gosh like I'm a little intimidated yeah. like she's gonna like sure. tear me apart lovely. Yeah. you know and that's it's just <laughs> that just goes to to show the people and the the persona that they're you know what they're selling really yeah, yeah. it's funny I think a lot of times we find that um you know the the, the artists who maybe have this um you know, whose reputation kind of precedes them and you get a little nervous about dealing with them those are they tend to be the ones that are the easiest to deal with and then sometimes you get surprised in the other way as well um you know but lisa lampanelli comes to mind too you know it's just she's you know no one is safe when she's on stage but the sweetest and nicest person off of it as well what's the uh, weirdest request that you've gotten like over the years because i have one that was odd to me you I, did huh yeah, mine was. Why you think mine was uh, for a Quiet Drive? Is that punk band that redid that Time After Time song? Yes. Uh, our intern Matt Morgus at the time, he brought them into the Woodlands, and they had requested like tube socks. <laughs> I like tube socks. They wanted tube socks. Want fresh was, socks wherever they that, go. That, that, they're probably one of those bands. They're like, let's Smart. see if we could just put like tube socks on yeah. there and see if they'll do it. That's like probably one of those. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, you know, a lot of that stuff, I, I, I'm sure there's some truth to it. My guess is it's more in, you know, in venues or from artists who are playing, you know, like huge arenas. Um, but a lot of that stuff's a myth, too. You know, the one color, M&M, and all that other right, stuff. Right. Um, I mean, you get, you know, some artists who are very particular. Um, we've been lucky in that we haven't had anyone that was, that was too difficult. The one I always remember, though, is we had Mike Tyson um doing his one man you know yeah, broadway type show which is just crazy to think about um <laughs> and i remember his rider was was very non-specific about what he wanted or what he needed in his dressing room if he had needed anything to eat or snacks or whatever so we asked the tour manager about you know a couple of days before they were arriving and said what can we you know what can we have or what do you need or what do do you want and he said do you have a tv in the in Mike's dressing room. And I said, yeah, we do. It's on the wall, um, you know, flat screen. It has, you know, cable access, et cetera. He's like, yeah, he doesn't need that. He just, he needs something to plug his PlayStation into. <laughs> so he, you know, here's Mike Tyson. He travels with his PlayStation. And I guess that maybe that's just kind of how he gets in, uh, gets into, uh, you know, gets in the form, if you will, before up. going on, <laughs> before going on stage, he plays a little bit of a player one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is funny because, you know, it was only a few years ago he, that he played his own game. You know, the, the, that's right. Mike Tyson's punch out. <laughs> right. You, you know, he put, it, that was on the original NES. Yeah. He never played it yeah. until like a couple years ago. They had him on like Conan or one of those shows. And uh -huh. they said, all right, play it. And he couldn't play it where the crap was. <laughs> he, he, he got the, the crap kicked out. That really show, good. I don't know if you if you had a chance to see it, but it was on, um, uh, it was on HBO too. But it surprisingly good um mm -hmm. you know if if you understand going into it that you're seeing mike tyson do a one-man show on stage mm -hmm. and you're not expecting al pacino or something right you're, you're actually really impressed with you know with the show that he puts on and you know he's telling the story of his life which is just a crazy story to <laughs> yeah. begin with you know but um it's actually really well done and, and i'm glad that we i'm glad that we that we had it and talk about pushing the envelope on ticket sales i remember that was one mm. where we had a 150 tickets, the closest seats, right? 50, 50 or 100, it was 150, 150 seats at $300 a piece. Wow. Um, and it included a photo with Mike after the show. And you also had the option, if we wanted to, to do a $500 ticket price that included a photo and an autographed boxing glove. Mm. And I didn't have the guts to go with the $500, but we did do the $150, $150, dollars tickets. And I remember saying to the agent that I'm not sure how this is going to go over. It's it's a lot of money anywhere, you know. Um, and he said to me, everyone wants a picture with the champ. And when we went on sale, the show didn't sell as well as we had hoped. We, you know, the, uh, once you got beyond those VIP tickets that had the meet and greet, I think the seats were like $55, $45, and $35. And we struggled to sell, you know, enough of the $55, $45, and 35 
but we sold every one of the $300 tickets because <laughs> everyone wants their picture with the champ. <laughs> and talk about like the opposite of what you experienced with sure. he, he <laughs> everything was, else. He was so accommodating with the photos. He didn't really mm -hmm. chat. I don't remember yep. him doing that. But they would take like either a funny one or he would kind of feel out how the person was. And they were great shots. Like, so many people wanted him so... to pretend like he was biting yeah. on their ear. <laughs> you know? yeah. And he would do it. I would not have the nerve to ask Mike Tyson right. to pretend to bite on my yeah. ear for no. a photo. <laughs> oh, my God. He actually bit it. What, what an honor. <laughs> right. right. Uh, I, he's like, he seems like a funny guy, though. <clears throat> Yeah. Like a goofy guy. And like very, he seems like the type of guy that doesn't take himself too seriously. Yeah. When I, the time is right, I'm sure. Wonderful. You know, when he's like throwing those hilarious one-liners and like being the tough guy and like, you know, selling tickets for the fights and stuff like that. But he yeah. definitely seems like the type of guy that's like down to earth and like can laugh at himself. Yeah, he definitely falls in that category of, you know, one of the artists that I was a little, not nervous about, but I didn't, I didn't know how it was going to yeah. go dealing with them. And it was just so easy and... And so laid back. That was a fun night. And you know, he's also kind of a controversial figure as well, mm -hmm. you know, considering some of his, his past and things like that. Have you ever dealt with that in terms of uh, artists that maybe you were you know, nervous to book or maybe got any blowback from or anything? Yeah, we got a little bit, I think, from that mm -hmm. show. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think our stance was he did things wrong. And, you know, I guess we all do things wrong sometimes. And some, some of us do, you know, the things we do wrong are a little more severe than... Um, than others, but um, he's also a guy who kind of you know did his time and, and and was trying to get things you know his, his life back in order and and this this show itself was about was about that life and he talks about the things he did wrong and it was very he was very humble in um, in telling his story and about the heartbreak in his life and um, the way you know the rough um, upbringing he had and you know his daughter who died when. You know, he wasn't in the room, and she somehow fell off a treadmill and got her, you know, um, choked on a, a, a curtain, a string from the curtain. I don't know if you heard that story. No, no. Um, just, you know, this was just a few years before that, but he, mm. he shared some really heartfelt stories about that and, and broke down crying sometimes. And, um, you know, he they, you know, we're all human, and, and there, was a, there was a human element to that, to that show that I think if you got past the, I can't believe you're bringing that guy to right. town and actually went and heard his story and listened to him, I think you would have had mm. um, maybe a different opinion. Maybe. Mm. Uh, when, you know, when the show was Could over. Could be part of why he was doing it, too. You know, right. to kind of tell a story and to kind of have an, a relationship with the public that was, you know, more sincere, more honest, and not, I'm not this person that, you know, you could very easily think I'm sure it was I cathartic am. for him, yeah. you know, personally. Sorry, I think you were going to say something. Mm -hmm. No, so uh, let's let's talk about the new season then. I mean, you guys have you know you your eyes lit up. 50, <laughs> it's great season. They have fifty-five shows coming up, but you have you've even more than that. I mean, there's there's stuff uh, you know coming up soon, and and there's there's stuff in, booked into the next year. So uh, you know, can we talk about uh, what 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 are some of the highlights? What are you excited about? I think before. And goes off because Anne could probably tell you all 55 shows off the top of her head. Um, it's probably it's probably worth explaining that when we say a season, our season is our fiscal year, which oh. is runs uh, July 1 to June 30. So we're wrapping up right now our season. You know, which okay. our 15, 16. No, I'm sorry, our 16, 17 season will end at the end of June, and that's when we roll into our 17, um, 18 season, which is the brochure that. Um, that we that we just released. So yeah, we have a lot of shows that are on sale now that are actually part of the new season because they come after July one, and a lot of shows that are still on sale now that are technically still in in the old season. And I probably I tried to explain it, and I probably just confused people um, <laughs> even more than they than they already were. But with the, the brochure we just released is all of our um, our performances in our seventeen eighteen season, which is fifty five uh, performances, and we will add, probably add on another seventy to seventy five. Then throughout the year, and our, our brochure for the most part consists of you know our Broadway series, our signature series, some family shows, and then what we add on throughout the year is normally more of your your you know your headliners, your your mainstream artists, your comedians, and your and your concerts. 
I think you can even just simply say we do a lot of shows. <laughs> you don't want to separate the seasons because it is difficult to have it end in June and start in July. Mm -hmm. And the exciting part for me is, is we do have 55. It's almost exactly what we had last year, um, a few more than the year before. But when you go back the year before that, we used to only announce usually between 19 and 20 shows. So it's a big change for us to go forward with that many of the signature, of the Broadway, of the family performances. We already have shows in the works to announce after our big season announcement. So it's just a fun time to be working and talking about the shows that we have coming. Um, this year excites me, our, our $10 signature series, I really just can't say enough about. I'm, proud that we can offer that ticket price thanks to the Pennsylvania Council on the Arts and the Kirby Center's commitment to covering what the tickets would cost to bring in those shows but it's such a strong signature series we have the Duke Ellington Orchestra uh, we have Verdi's Rigoletto which is the same opera company we've been bringing for the past that. 10 years it's a full opera yeah, like a full-scale opera for incredible. $10 a national touring opera from Italy When's for that? $10. Uh, that is October 21st. That's right. I have to cheat. I brought our, mm -hmm. our paper. How dare you not know one show? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I set her up as if she knows them all. I'm learning that October 21st. <laughs> I'm still at the point where I have to check. Um, then we have Simply Three. Uh, we have Baskerville, a Sherlock Holmes mystery. And then we have the Howard Gospel Choir. And those are all $10. Mm. Our, our family series is very strong this year. We have Shopkins Live, PJ Maxx Live, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the musical, which is its second visit to the center and mm -hmm. is based on the Claymation TV special. So mm -hmm. it's just a lot of fun. Um, and Jungle Jack Hanna, who it's also his second visit to mm -hmm. the theater. Um, and his show is wonderful. Um, and talk about a great performer to have in the theater, easy to deal with, just wonderful. Um, our Broadway series is strong. We have uh, Stomp coming in November for two nights. The Sound of Music coming in December for two nights. Um, and then we have Wizard of Oz April 13th and Cabaret May 17th. 17th. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty neat, just the, the variety. I, I think like the Kirby Center had this, like, <clears throat> people just thought it was just for theater. And, like, mm -hmm. the, or the Philharmonic, or yeah, like, right, and it's so much more than that now, especially the, over the past few years. Yeah, well, even our headliners this year, and and uh, some of our headliners that are in the brochure we have announced, and they went on sale individually. But you know, we have uh, Johnny Mathis, the voice of romance, and we have Roy Firestone, mm -hmm. uh, we have Celtic women, we have the Drifters. You know, it just it's very diverse who we have at this point. Yeah. We've added some more shows also into our lobby series. Um, the one I'm most excited about is is Gene Ween. Doing, I saw uh, that. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, doing Billy Joel. That's going to be really cool. Which, if you haven't seen it, I know it sounds crazy, especially if you're familiar with his work with Ween, but he seriously has this love for Billy Joel and his music, and he does an amazing job. Um, you should look up some videos on it. He, he's, he looks like him, and he really, really sounds like him. And um, I think it's fun because... You know, the Ween fans are going to come out just to see Gene, and, but the people who just like Billy Joel, mm -hmm. you're going to get a really good Billy Joel show. So. There's a lot of buzz about that show already. When is that one? Yeah. August 5th. Saturday night in August, yeah. I'll be there. Yeah. What about fastball? You're not excited about fastball? I am excited about fastball. <laughs> Sorry, it's not, not often I get it's to talk about <laughs> Not often I get to talk about Gene Ween doing, doing Billy Joel, but yeah, fastball's in our series as well. Um, you know, they've had obviously had some really big hits in the 90s, but continue to put out music and they have a new album out right now that, that they're out that they're out in support of. Um, so we have them coming in as well. Sorry, you have to promote them. I was just joking. <laughs> <laughs> put me on the spot. We also have an interview with them on the site. So if you, uh, That's you right. go to the search box and out. <coughs> usually we don't do them that early, but uh, one of my writers just happens to know. Mm. Uh, the guys in the band, and uh, was just like, I need, I need to do this now. I was like, yeah. okay, all yeah, right. Yeah, right, go ahead and do we're it. We're thankful. We're thankful. <laughs> that that much, you know? We don't care when it's done. We're just thankful that it's done. It's done. So yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, the brochure is is chock full of, of, of a lot of good stuff, and you know, another cliche, you know, is that there's something for everyone, and we do our best to to kind of have something for everyone, as hard as that is, and. 
Um, you know, I think we, we do a pretty good job of accomplishing that this year. Awesome. Now, what, what goes into the, the production of bringing these in? Is it, is it a bigger, you know, it, when I'm thinking of, of theater and the big sets and costumes and things like that, is that, uh, you know, more uh, of a, uh, is it, is you have, does that take more effort to put together than it would just a, a concert or something like that? Yes. Yeah, sure. I think uh, as soon as we start looking at a show, you're looking at a few different things. You look at the cost of the artist, the technical cost to bring them in the theater, like how much mm -hmm. are they traveling with, how much do we need to provide, um, what are the technical needs in general, what kind of marketing materials do they have, what can we put in the budget for marketing, just like a comprehensive look at all of the expenses that could go along with the show and, and a, a larger Broadway show will have uh, a lot more attached to it um, than maybe a, a smaller traveling theater show. And I mean, it, it runs the, for all types of performances, a huge rock band will have a bigger tech package than maybe a, a smaller, easier acoustic mm -hmm. set or something like that. Um, but we gather all the expenses uh, and just look at the, the whole picture. And I think people forget or don't take the time to realize that obviously we were originally a movie theater, so we mm -hmm. don't have a humongous stage. Um, a lot of times when we're looking at a Broadway show or a theatrical performance of any kind, the first question is, can we fit it mm. on our stage? And we've, we've had shows that we've had to pass on because we just can't fit it. Or we have to make modifications to the set to fit it. You know, right. we had Grease a few years ago, and the Grease lightning scene with the car, we had to do it without the car. Because we could get the car on the stage, but once we had to whisk it off stage for the next scene, we didn't have enough wing, enough wing space to kind of hide it off stage. So the car would always be kind of sticking out, you know, throughout the rest of the show. So we had to just scrap it and, and keep it on keep it on the truck. But if you walk by, um, especially on the night of a Broadway performance, you'll see a lot more clutter out on the sidewalks and in the alleys <laughs> yeah. than you do for a concert because there's different you know sets and there's scenery and there's um, road cases that are just kind of we put them wherever we can to get them off the stage, and that's usually on the sidewalk or in one of the alleys. Isn't it a joke? Like years ago, we had Fiddler on the roof that the Fiddler was able to fit, but the roof couldn't. That's not a joke. <laughs> it, it's kind of funny now, but it wasn't funny at the time. Yeah, we had we had Fiddler on the roof without a roof. Yeah, we had to do Fiddler on the chair. <laughs> yeah, stay on a chair. Yeah, but that's you know that's one of the, one of the downsides to having um, you know a smaller venue, but. Um, you know, with all that stuff, and I think a lot of it's taken for granted. People don't realize, you know, when a show comes, and obviously, you know, you're just buying the tickets, and what date is it, and you show up and you go to the, to the concert or whatever it is, you don't realize um, just how long that process is. In a lot of right. cases, it's it's a year or more between when you first start talking to the agent and you're negotiating the price, and you finally confirm the show, and then you talk about, okay, when are we going to put it on sale, and then you have the sale period, and then, you know, the, the show day itself for... You know, for some of the people, starts at you know six a.m., seven a.m., loading it in, setting it up, and um, you know it doesn't end until two a.m. or or later. So it's a long process. There's a lot that goes into it, and that's why, you know, a lot of times people say, you know, you're so lucky to get to see all these shows, and I kind of laugh because we normally don't see a lot of the show. You know, we're working or we're um, we're running here, we're running there, we're backstage paying the artists or or whatever we're doing. Um, but I try to um, always be in the theater for the start of every performance because for me, after putting all that work into it, not me, myself, but all of us putting that work into it and going that long road from <laughs> booking it yeah. to showtime, when the lights go out and the artist or whatever you know walks on stage, that's to me, that's the coolest moment and that's the moment that makes all the hard work, you know, it's, it's worth it at that moment. And then usually 10 seconds later, I'm off. On to the next. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm running somewhere else. But um, that's my favorite moment of every of every show is when the lights dim and, and the show begins. Now you, you mentioned this before. You guys do this on a, a really small staff. You know, how, how, do, how, do you, how do you accomplish that? We have the best staff. Yeah. We're, what are we, about 13? About 13 full-time staff members. I think it's important. No, we, do, we have a, a strong team. Uh, we're all very close. We work well together. Um, we also have event staff that comes in. We have a, a tremendous team of volunteers who work the nights of shows and come and help us. Uh, but we, we just have a, a really dedicated, wonderful staff that believes in what we do. Yeah, I think that's another thing that people don't realize is when you come to the show and all the 
all those people wearing, you know, the, the red coats and, you know, scanning your ticket or showing you to your seat, they're all volunteers. Mm. Um, and we have a pool of, how many? I mean, we have 50? I think it's, it's hovering between 50 and 60. We're bringing yeah. on a new class this summer. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's obviously, and, you know, for a nonprofit theater, that's, you know, where every dollar counts, um, that's important to us, you know. And, um, they love and they love coming to the theater and they love what they do. And we recently had a um, we hosted um, Dance Theater Wilkesbury's uh, 10th anniversary show, and as part of the show, they roped us into doing uh, the Kirby staff did the opening dance number on the stage, uh, <laughs> um, and we included, of course, all of our volunteers and made it available to them. And you wouldn't believe, you know, all of us in the office were a little hesitant. Yeah. Um, about you know going on stage and the volunteers absolutely loved it and it meant the world to them to get to actually just go on the stage they made um, the experience yeah they made it so much more special to yeah. be on stage dancing with them they're really good people we actually had a dinner just last night mm -hmm. uh, we do an annual volunteer dinner um, mm -hmm. for them um, to thank them and that was just last night well, uh, before we, we get into the last segment, I just want to mention as well that uh, we do have a, a significant amount of people who have been watching on and off. Uh, so if you have a comment or you have a question or something like that, you know, feel free to leave it in there. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely uh, read some of those. Uh, just the, the few that we've, we've gotten. Um, there's one that maybe I don't understand. Uh, James Duffy says tomato. I, <laughs> I go to I go to uh, it's that's that's for me. Okay. <laughs> um, I go to Bonnaroo every year, and oh, okay. uh, if we lose each other, instead of yelling Ann or Rich to a sea of Ann or Riches, <laughs> we yell tomato. And if you hear tomato uh, yelled back, you idea. have a friend in the audience. That would own that, that, friend. that would help you anywhere except maybe the tomato festival. Right, exactly. right. That, that's that probably would, the one you'd place you'd run into you trouble. <laughs> uh, and uh, Jessica Suda says that you're a total fox. Uh, Aaron Delaney says uh, the opera sounds awesome. Uh, yeah. that's it's a reminder to order tickets. So. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so uh, we're we're we'll move into uh, the the last word, which uh, let's see, let me pull it up. It was just an interesting well, I think I have my, news I story. Have a nice segment segue into that. By um, all means, I feel like you know, how has the downtown of Wilkes-Barre kind of embraced the Curry Center and what you guys have done? Because with the shows you guys bring in, you know, with the restaurants downtown and the shopping downtown, mm. obviously that increases with the shows you guys bring. Whether I tell it's, it's like, yeah. dinner or whatever it might be, like. I tell people all the time, obviously, we love when we pack our own theater and we see, you know, every seat is taken. But it's just as um, rewarding for us to see before that show and after that show the sea of people going into Franklin's or Rodano's or, you know, um, you know, Boscov's or whatever. You know, people on the street um, taking advantage of, of the downtown. Um, it's special for us. You know, we, we um, you know, we enjoy the fact that um, you know, this town has so much to offer, um, but we love the fact that we can, on any given Saturday night or Monday night, um, you know, bring a bunch of people downtown who might not otherwise be coming downtown. Bring it to life. I also think, going back to how we make everything work on a small staff, I think we've been really lucky the past three or so years, especially in creating relationships with the downtown businesses, with the local media, um, with the businesses who are just open when we have shows so our audience have places to go with businesses that financially support us and make that, you know, reasonable ticket possible for us to bring the audiences in. And, and we're, we're really, we're supported by everyone in our community that has been working together with us. I think we mm -hmm. feel like we're partners with so many different groups and organizations lately. And just in my seven years at the Kirby Center, I mean, Anne could obviously probably paint an, an even uh, better picture of this, but just the change in downtown over those seven years from the number of uh, restaurants that mm -hmm. are now available. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's fun because we hear it all the time. You know, sometimes some of the negative comments you'll hear are from people who, you know, might live here but don't really come downtown. Um, but the people who come from out of town to the Kirby Center to see a show, you would love to hear the way they talk about mm -hmm. the town. 
and how they loved walking around. And we'll have we have maps at the um, at the the box office that they can take to walk around and see you know where do where, you know where do we want to eat or or where can we shop and and they just rave about the downtown. And I think um, you know sometimes if you just stop to kind of uh, actually experience what it is you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And not just talk about it without experiencing it. Um, I think you'd be really surprised about how great it is to just to just be down here. And um, you know, I talked about how special it is to work at the theater itself. But I'm just as as honored to work in in downtown Wilkesbury. That's my dream. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I want to no. be. I want to be downtown. We've talked about this. You know, like that's your where studio I be. downtown. Yeah, like it's just there's so much heart. I feel like downtown, yeah. and there's so much. It's like, I think it's lively, you know, I'm, but you know, I'm not one of those people that have that mentality. There's people that will drive around the square and they'll see what they want to see. And there's people that drive around the square and they'll see negative and positive, yeah. you know, but I think downtown Wilkes-Barre is so cool and beautiful and awesome. I want you to be downtown. I want to be downtown. <laughs> I'm a downtown kind of girl. Just coming in tonight, uh, a few minutes before we, we started recording, uh, there was a guy with a boombox outside, he like, and he was dancing. Yeah, he was doing he was the robot. Yeah. Yeah. He was good, too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, like, see, like, we'll see that and be like, oh, that's cool. That guy's killing it. Right. Someone else would be like, look at this meth guy. You know? Yeah. He's like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it depends on, it's like, on how you want to yeah, look at something. It's on how you want to look at uh, yeah. your mentality. And it's also interesting to me that most people that... Um, well, many opinions of people that aren't from here, they have a different perspective, you know, so they're able to see our city for really, you know, what it is. There's good and bad in every city, you know, but I feel like the people that um, kind of that are focused on, on the negative aspects of it are people that are from here. And they're also people that aren't involved in any kind of thing other than, you know, their keyboard. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. And that's it. Yeah. Do you think that there are people that uh, avoid downtown or avoid avoid the city yeah. Oh, yeah. because yes. they, they hear that like, reputation? When I bartend in Pittston, mm. they don't even think like to go to Wilkes-Barre for anything. Mm-hmm. They'll think yeah. to go maybe to Walmart or like the mall. Mm-hmm. See, I'm the type of person, like, and I'm sure many of you guys are, <laughs> uh, when I think, oh, I want to go shopping, I want to go get a beer, I think I'm going downtown. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. Most people think, like, oh, I'm going up to, you know, Red Robin or, you know, mm-hmm. some people just think that way Mm -hmm. and it's going to take a lot I think to like kind of rectify that way of thinking Mm -hmm. you know when people think like oh I'm going to go out to dinner at you know I'm going up to the industrial area or you know people don't Mm -hmm. think that way and it's going to I think it's going to take a long a long time to kind of reverse that yeah I agree but I think it's happening there's I I think there's a lot of factors that play into it uh you know I think the media is part of that you know they're just as much Mm -hmm. uh you know talking about the good things and stuff too, but it seems the, the, the big headlines and the front pages and stuff like that are always the negative things that yeah. are going on. And that's the stuff that I think- I do see so much so positive, sto- so many positive stories too though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really do. And I really think that people are making an effort to, to report them. Yeah. Right. Like I've definitely noticed that. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And it's funny because sometimes it's, it's on the media side, it's totally unintentional, but you know, you'll hear about something you know, negative that happened nowhere near downtown mm-hmm. but you know let's go to so-and-so who's reporting live outside of the police station you know and right and in the background you see the kirby center's marquee right <laughs> at home i'm like that was nowhere near here you know because <laughs> they're trying to get that nice background right without necessarily right. yeah yep. and and people are connecting it's a story in their mind yeah, yeah. absolutely I agree. exactly well i mean you know just today uh you know the dj mo story came up again you know he was yeah. uh you know, local DJ and, and a radio host and, uh, you know, uh, an all-around good guy that a lot of people in the scene, you know, finally remember. And he was, you know, shot in a drive-by in uh, 2013 in Wilkes-Barre. And so I, I, you see, you know, as that comes back into the news because they just arrested a, a suspect in that case, you see those comments all over again. You know, mm-hmm. not right. that you should, I should never rec- recommend reading the comments on any news story, especially <laughs> locally, but... You know, that's that's another example of, you know, I, I think people focus so much on that kind of thing. The, the Uncle Murder story that mm-hmm. we talked about last week, yeah. where it was completely blown out mm-hmm. of proportion, yep. 
and it was something that most people never would have heard about or cared right. about right. Uh, until it made 20 different headlines and three three different follow-ups and things like right. that up until the night. And nothing happened. And, and it came and went with, yeah. Yeah, not only did nothing happen, nothing but I saw going, no coverage you know. afterwards. Right. I saw no, no media <laughs> actually went or anything like that. I didn't I see I saw it. an article that reported that it was that, a citizen's voice. Nothing happened. happened. But, but I got that's it. That's where the problem is. Is I, th I, I think Brittany's right. Like the the news, they're they're reporting on positive stories, but the keyboards, like the keyboard people, right. aren't sure. commenting on those, aren't sharing those, so they're not popping up. They're yes. not. You're not seeing that frequency because you can go on, you know, the original articles, and it, it's probably just like lists and lists and lists of comments and negativity and people I've... going crazy, and then nothing happened. Well, they don't want to talk about that because there's nothing to say or That's a big positive story about. on a festival that happened downtown there's nothing right. to tear apart so they don't share it you don't see that it's not because everything is so internet related now that if someone's not right. giving it attention excuse me you're not seeing it the keyboard that, that's our are... that's our hardest battle mm -hmm. because 99 percent of what we post about is positive things mm -hmm. happening in the area absolutely and it's it's sometimes it's like pulling teeth to get people to share what i think are great stories or really interesting people that are doing really cool things yep. and then i see the other stuff scrolling by in people's feeds and i'm like oh why mm -hmm. why are you contributing to the bile or you know arguments that you're never going to win mm -hmm. you know with somebody you don't even know uh, using a fake account or something like that, as opposed to, you know, just saying, hey, look, look at all these really cool things and really cool people going on. I don't on. Ever understand what drives that. Yeah. Like, what, and I've thought about it, you know, what drives that sure. negativity within someone, you know, especially to do it in, in publicly and to do it all the time. I swear there's people that just, that's what they do. <laughs> like in their free time, yeah, like they just what, like it's their hobby. Yeah, whatever. it's like their thing. Well, they're not attaching their name to the comment. Sure. You know, yeah. Too, and it and it's yeah. it's so much easier when when you're kind of it's also behind your computer yeah. Screen. It's easier to to it's it's easier to not hide behind societal norms and things that are accept like so socially acceptable. Mm -hmm. You know, somehow behind a computer. Right. When you're online, it just seems like, oh, like, it's okay Whatever. to behave this way somehow. Right, exactly. Right. Like, people yeah. forget uh, about being polite, and people right. forget about etiquette. And you get a free pass because it's because you're writing it online. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, because, you know... The internet has taken so much respect out of communication, I think, with people. I, I, I saw a really good example one day. I forget who said it, but, uh, you know, when you think of, like, a typical bully, uh, and, and, you know, a bully says something to a kid's face, and then the kid's face drops, and he starts to cry or whatever... Immediately, somewhere back there, the bully's like, "Oh man, why did I do that? That that was that was that was mean. That was that was awful." You don't get that with the internet. No. You don't see right. that reaction. You don't. You feel like there's nobody on the other side. You know, right. like you're right. attacking uh, a screen. Right. So essentially, you're not getting that feeling. That takes out the human element. Yeah, exactly. And mm -hmm. I, I think that, that that might play a role in it too. But to be fair, you know, there was a, a, an article we posted earlier this week. Uh, about uh, these, these uh, I don't want to say kids, they're in their 20s, but, you know, kids, essentially, because I'm old now, uh, hosting shows in a Curry Donuts parking lot, you know, a few blocks from here, right mm -hmm. outside of downtown Scranton, or downtown Wilkes-Barre. And they do it every single year, and that got the shit shared out of it. People loved that story, and I think mm -hmm. that's really cool yeah. that that gets people excited, you know, yeah. and then yeah. it shows the initiative that these people say, you know what, yeah, there aren't maybe a lot of places that I can do an all-ages show that I can host with, with my friends' bands and stuff like that. So we can do it here, and they have, you know, the full permission of the businesses around and everything, and everybody's, you know, really cool about it, and you never mm -hmm. hear of any incidents coming out of it. They do it, you know, several shows a year and stuff. So stuff like that makes you feel good, too. You know, there is there is a lot of positive. There's definitely a lot of good stuff going on if you, you know, if, if you kind of care to look for it and, and, mm -hmm. and see it. And, um, and I'll just say, too, that I think, you know, a lot of the work that you're doing and NAPA scene and everyone you know over there and of course Gerard and everyone here at Cold Creative you, know, you guys are just an example of that too Thank of you. all the good stuff going on and um, you know there's I think there's more reason than ever right now to come downtown and um, you know we're you know we're the you know the big venue downtown but you know we're just a small part of it and and you guys are a part of it too so um, you know that kind of gives you hope. Mm -hmm. You can't forget all your troubles. You forget all your kids. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Things will be great. <laughs> Should do like a Wilkesburg commercial. Sorry. Not me personally. But like, <laughs> no, no, it's pretty good. I just think Seinfeld. Like, right, exactly. <laughs>
We should Downtown. all pull top hats out. <laughs> you know, yeah, well, Gerard did computer. something. Computer. Gerard, you did the, uh, there's nothing to do in an EPA. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah, I was, yeah. yeah. I, I guess I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to my dad who just actually commented the score of the Mets game for me. <laughs> I'm actually really proud of the fact that he figured out how to get on too because he, he asked me, you know, hey, how, do I, how can I watch that tonight? And he is on Facebook. So I explained to him how to, uh, you know, via text message, how to do it. And like a half hour later, we still weren't sure that we knew how to do it. But Kate apparently he found it. Well. <laughs> For our commercial. Yeah. Hi, Kate. Uh, All right, well, uh, that's that's about all. Is there anything else you, you guys wanted to, to tackle or uh, talk about? I appreciate your growing the beard back. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we channeled the uh, backward hat. We did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Little, I didn't even realize. little coordination there. <laughs> I knew you'd be here. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> no, I'm just trying to keep up with the yeah, Joneses. Yeah, Johnny Popko costume on. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's it for me. All <laughs> Thank you guys for having us. Thank Absolutely. you so much. We made the long commute from across the yeah. across the way. It's nice yeah. to talk to you guys outside of the business realm. So yeah, yeah this Thank is you. a fun hang. No, we were, we've been looking forward to it. So uh, yeah. hopefully you'll find a reason to bring us back one yeah, day. I was gonna say we'll have to have you guys on again. Yeah, I would love it. Yeah, yeah thank sure. you. Thank you. Appreciate okay. it. All right, and thank Bye, you for everyone. tuning in. And, yeah. Uh, have a good night. We'll we'll see you next week, uh, Wednesday from seven to eight p.m. Yeah.